Hello beautifuls, I'm Monica Spirit Walker, your host, and welcome to Under the Acacia Tree, a podcast about spirituality and finding your way. In this episode, we'll be talking to Tony Cook, our local vulva and Sadar practitioner. We'll be talking about what it means to practice Sadar, her views on YouTube and spell and spell work, and how she supports the community through her work. Hey beautifuls, and welcome to Under the Acacia Tree. I'm Monica Spirit Walker, your host, and today's guest is Tony Cook. She is a local vulva, and she practices the practice. <laughs> she practices Seder. She's out of Chesapeake, Virginia. How are you doing today, Tony? I'm just peachy. How are you? I'm doing really good. So I wanted to do a quick read over your your bio to give people some, you know, understanding of what you what what you're about and how what your practice is about, and then we're going to kind of go into questions concerning that because we want other people to be aware of the different paths that are out there absolutely so tony's experienced in the ways of craft and the ways of the reader from runes to classic tarot she was born with these gifts and she is a heritage witch from norwegian and southern roots she began her path at 14 learning the path of the Karelian wiccan having been classically trained from swamp magic to rune magic and everything in between she has world traveled and learned about many things. If she doesn't know the answer, she will work to find it for you. Though she has studied many paths, she received her eldership in the Viking path. She's a third circle high priestess in several faiths and ordained as well. Tony has also had her croning ceremony and is learned in crone magic and reading as well. She likes to call herself an artist and also makes many things from spell bottles, incense bottles, altar items, and custom art. She brews Viking honey and custom blend air, air what is it, air, Atreyu? Avistru. Say it again. Astru. 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 12 years running currently. Mm-hmm. Reading professionally from the age of 25, she takes numerous classes on the subject and learning many forms of divination. She is a tarot reader for Mystic Hollow for 14 years, as well as the owner and operator, and she has certifications if you need that requested. So you've done a lot of things over your uh, yeah. years here. Yeah. Um, the most valuable thing my grandfather taught me was never stop learning. That, um, you know, being a part of this path is learning constantly because, you know, we change, society changes, nature changes. So learn as much as you can. You're only given a limited amount of time and you never know what people will need from you. So you need to learn as much as you can to be able to provide that for people in your community. I love that. I love that. So you're a vulva. What What is that exactly? Explain that to people listening. Um, a vulva is basically the Viking version of the seer and the magic user. So they, what we basically do is we do readings and we help do magic to change our futures, change our present, change our past, and change our futures. So it's seer magic, basically. You become wandwed basically means that you are a daughter of Odin, that you're a wife of Odin, and that you're were basically picked to be this person to help others in their paths. Oh, nice. I know I was doing some research and it was saying that um, this practice of Seder was like two to three thousand years old yes so it's older than even the vikings themselves yes it's considered the oldest form of the craft way pre-christian as well 
So mm-hmm. and Seder actually means like quarter string. You're the quarter string from the person you're seeing for to the direct connection to the gods and the ancestors. So, wow. yeah. And whereas a vulva basically means that you're one wed, you're the staff carrier, you're the magic user for the tribe. So combining those two things um, is very similar to shamanism. Mm-hmm. It's using nature to do magic. In the uh, the stuff that I was researching, I was watching a video and they were talking about how they used to uh, lift the vulva up on a chair. Yes. And she would go into her ecstatic trance. Yes. Traditionally, the, the satyr or the vulva would be entranced by 16 virgins. They would sing in a circle around you, bringing you into your trance. And at that point, when you went into your trance is when you would tell people's fortunes, their futures, the things that would would happen to the tribe. Obviously, finding a virgin in these days and days is a little, <laughs> little harder, much less 16 of them who will willingly dance around you. So and there's, it's a lot of more self-meditation that you do these days. So, you know, we've had to kind of update it. The problem I have with a lot of the stuff that you find on the internet is it's very boggled up. It's bits and pieces of what people believe. The sagas and the eddas in which we are trained through weren't really able to be translated fully because the runic language had died, you know, had been stamped out by a certain religion. So the translations are not as accurate as we would hope them to be. So a lot of the information that you find on the internet will be what people's opinions of it are, or their their understanding of it, what they understand that it does mean, you know, their perception of what the real reality of being a satyr of vulva is. I know you said you had training for this. When we were talking one day in the shop, you were telling me about traveling over to, was it Norway? Yes. And doing training over there? Yeah, I was there for three years. Um, I actually lived with them. There's a village there that given, you know, it's not like you're not supposed to throw that information out there. It's kind of private. You have to kind of be invited in by the elders. But you live the life of a Viking basically for three years and a day. Um, at the end of your three years and a day, then you get your eldership and you become Why part of they? it. But I, yeah, I spent three years. I, I've never understood the three years and a day, but it's very much like the witch path when you take your year and a day. It's, it's supposed to be to make up, I think, for that you have 366 sunrises so and sunsets for you to change your mind if this is your path or not. I had three years that I lived that life, and it was very cold and brutal. It was beautiful in the summer, but, you know, you live, we lived in a long house. We shared everything. We cooked meals together, slaughtered animals. We, I mean, we did magic together. We sang together. I mean, it was an amazing experience, and it's not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. <laughs> Because I don't know if anybody's ever told you, but it is cold in Norway in the wintertime. It's the type of cold that gets in you and burns you. It burns. Wow. It's so cold. Note to self, Nova, visiting Norway in the wintertime. Yeah. Go in the summer. It's much prettier. <laughs> still carry a jacket with you because it still gets cold at night. So let's talk about this swamp magic and this room, different types of magic. How did you go about, you know, learning that? Was there a formal training or... Well, there was a lady who lived down the street. And when I say the street, it was a dirt road that I grew up off of. <laughs> she lived down on the corner. Old lady. But I, she, I swear she had to have been 200 years old. She just, and she, she lived past my grandfather, and he was 97 when he passed away. So I think she was 108 when she passed. 
but she was the one that everybody went to to do swamp magic to. Um, so when I was probably eight or nine years old, I got curious and got over there and I seen some stuff that I didn't understand. I spoke to my grandfather about it and he spoke to her and they worked out a barter for me to learn how to do some of the swamp magic so that I would understand what she was doing. A lot of it had to do with, you know, root work, swamp water, crossroads magic, things like that. I know I had my study plans between my schoolwork and my swamp magic work and then what my grandfather was teaching me. They kept me pretty busy on that farm. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was it was a lot to learn, but learning that and then later the Karelian and then the Wiccan and then the Norwegian and how often Times a lot of those things met in the middle. As I learned them, I'm like, well, that's almost exactly the same way that Mama Blay would do it. So how is that even possible? It had translated itself into so many different other things and different pathways. And well, hedge witches do this, and kitchen witches do that. And that's the same thing that the root worker was doing when I, you know, what I'm saying. It was the paths are so very similar and embedded in each other that a lot of people don't realize that that the one thing that stands behind all of them is the, the, the nature that is involved with swamp magic, with root magic, with Viking magic. It all has to do with nature. Everything has that set core before it, it starts sprouting off into its own. Into its own thing. But it, it basically, to me, has led back to how many of those things are so very similar. So as a community, we are not as separate as we think we are. Yeah, that illusion of being separate. When you really start studying, it gets cleared away. Yes, and depending on under who you study with, too, depends on like how cliquish the community can be at times, mm-hmm. which is sad. It really is, you know. True, true. So you said you were there for three years and a day. Mm-hmm. What is the significance of that extra day? Like I said, it has, it's 366 sunrises and 366 sunsets so it's so that you have that cycle of the 300 and the the way the moon cycles around the way the axis tilts Mm -hmm. every three years it's for you to have that under your belt basically and give you time to learn everything that you need to learn and then the day is for you to decide if you choose to walk that path or not so you can spend those three years studying all of it and then on your day go nope not for me And nobody will think worse of you for doing it because you went through the work. You did everything you were supposed to do. But that day is your decision day. It's it's like your birthday. It's like your birth onto that path. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was just wondering about that because I was looking over your Facebook page and I see that you um, you help train. You have a year and a day. Yes, I do. I teach basic witchcraft a year and a day and I teach Viking witchcraft a year and a day. And then you can go into the second circle, third circle if you choose to. I have two students who have taken the year and a day and graduated it out. That's Brittany from Aries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Brittany and then Julian and then Julian is my other one. Um, he lives out in Virginia Beach and is out teaching his son, who's four years old, the Viking path as well. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I thought it was awesome that you said your grandfather was such, you know, so supportive in helping you learn these things. A lot of us don't have that. He, he was not really supportive. Support. He was not just supportive. He was pretty adamant that I knew my roots and that I knew where I came from and that what I had was a gift and was not to be squandered. You know, he taught me that everybody is born with a gift, but so many people squander it or turn it off for fear Mm -hmm. that it's not like it's going against God in some way. It's, you know, not the 
path that they chose. It's not the Christian way. It's not when, you know, in the Christian path, they talk about the prophets and the seers and stuff. So I don't understand why it has become such a negative thing in this in modern day as it as it has. Well, I know I have a few friends who are Christians, and I think it depends on your denomination because there are some who outright say they're seers and prophets and stuff like that because mm -hmm. their church is okay with it, you know. They support that. And then there's the ones that... Yes, absolutely. I'm not saying all. I, yeah. I wasn't trying to be prejudiced or anything. I'm just saying that the majority of what I have learned over the years is that it's kind of frowned upon. The, the minute they, you know, a, a person hears the word witch, they become afraid. And then say things like, are you going to cast a spell on me? And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn me into a frog. <laughs> Yeah, or, yeah, I'm going to turn to you. Don't you think there'd be a lot more toads hopping around Hampton Roads if I could do that? I'm just saying. There'd be a lot more frogs on the logs around here. Mm, <laughs> yeah. And why would I waste my time? Oh, my gosh. It's not like that. So I try and teach that, that there's no fear. This is not a fear-based religion. It's not a fear-based path. It's There's no fear in this. It's, you know, it's about courage and discipline and fidelity and honor and hospitality and perseverance and self-reliance and and truth and industriousness it's about all of those things it's not just one book it's a it's a whole way of life it's living and breathing and eating it and sleeping it every day of your life you're not when you when you step onto the path you're a witch full time you don't you don't just turn it off <laughs> you know what i mean it's not nine to five it's not it's it's not any of those i don't know if that makes sense or not or if I'm just flattering, I just no. I understand fully what you're saying. It's it's a life choice. It is. It's not a job. It's how you live your life. Exactly. I love that though. So let's talk about some controversial stuff. Okay. How does your practice, um, or the way of the vulva, relate to, or I guess, process or see gender? Okay. So technically, it is a woman-based craft. I have known one other male who says himself to be a satyr, but even in the Eddas and the sagas, Loki made fun of Odin for using it because it was a woman's work. It was a woman's gift. They carried the chalice of life. A man cannot carry that chalice. So technically, there's not supposed to be male. They have their own version. They're, they have, you know, but not necessarily. They, it, it was considered erge, which is unmanly. For a man to do that sort of work. So that was kind of taught to me. I, it's not that I don't believe that a man can do the work because I've seen men do the work. Julian, my student, absolutely is one of the one of my best readers besides Brittany. So I know that the man can do the work, but they definitely have to be completely balanced in order to do it. They have to have their their feminine side just as balanced as their, their manly side. Oh, I like that. So they have to come in in a state of, I guess... They have Complete to be comfortable balance. with, yeah, comfortable with their feminine side as well. As the absolutely, masculine. yes, absolutely. It's considered a female, a female path for the most part. The old wise woman, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it, it doesn't say that the men can't do it. It just means that it's not usually considered uh, a manly thing to do. It's right. kind of insulting, but it's just the way it was taught. I can see that when it's something that has been passed down exactly, you know, generation to generation, it's going to hold on to that. Right. How does it, so how does that affect the whole gender fluidity? Is it still a fact that you have to, if you're male or identify as male, you have to be 
balanced. You definitely have to be balanced. That's the most important part of it. Like I said, I, I know people who are completely at balance and can do the work with no problems whatsoever, whether they be non-binary or male or female. It It's the balance that really denotes whether or not you have the ability to do the work. Okay, I wanted to touch on that because I know a lot of different areas, you know. We have now, especially now with the multiple genders and being fluid, and I yes. wanted those who are listening to understand that this is not a path that's, you know, exclusive that you can yeah, anybody, yeah, anybody can be a part of it if they have the balance. So it's learning that balance first and foremost and knowing where you stand um, and what your gifts are and how you can use them that denote where, whether or not you're a satyr or a vulva. Oh, that's awesome. So let's talk about YouTube and witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know that's a subject that many people who practice any variant of craft have an issue with mm -hmm. but what's your view on it i mean as far as the safety of it the i believe of it i believe that it can be a very dangerous place to be i think that um and like with my students i actually they sign a waiver that says if i find out that they're using youtube or google to make their spell work up that there will be repercussions from it and the reason being is it's so diluted the information is not tried and true it's just because you can do a rhyme and put some herbs together does not make you a witch and make you safe to practice to teach others that that way right. so there are a lot of ones out there that are very good that are respectful of the craft and what they're teaching but in my day growing up you did not announce who your teachers were you didn't out somebody you didn't do it mm -hmm. um and you dang sure didn't um share your book of shadows with people on a mass scale like that that's it's a more of a personal thing and what works for you may not work for somebody else right. so i kind of have an issue with some of the stuff i see on youtube and i've done some research i've, I've watched a couple of videos I, I can say I've spent hours and days you know I've seen some stuff out there that all I could do was laugh you know and just the, the 50 shades of witchcraft I just don't think it works <laughs> like that. I saw that video on your Facebook page I was like oh I have to ask about this <laughs> yes the 50 shades of witchcraft I mean there are you know different forms of it as we know that that's not the issue of it but you know you can't just fling a bunch of stuff together, throw a YouTube channel together, get a couple thousand viewers and think that that's the way of the path. In all actuality, you're probably so way off, it's not even funny. <laughs> you know, at that point it's sad and scary that you are teaching other people the wrong way to do things. So, so. for those who actually go to YouTube, how would they know or be able to pick someone who's genuine? Well, their you know, I would say their intuition to to truly test their intuition. If it smells like <laughs> it, beep beep, it probably is beep beep. You know, a, a lot of the people, the reason that they follow onto this path is because of their intuition, because of their natural born abilities. So if they go on a YouTube channel and somebody starts spouting off stuff about snow magic, and you know, you got to put extra in there because it melts. You, you know, it's it's one of those things that you probably don't know enough about what you're talking about to be teaching others how to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to, but 
you, you can't start something and then give up on it and then just decide you're going to make it your own and make your own craft and then teach it to others without some serious repercussions coming back. You, I mean, people could get hurt and, mm-hmm. you know, doing craft work, you have to be just as at ease as doing good magic as doing darker stuff. And a lot of people just, you know, they don't have that balance. They just are in the light or they're just in the dark. They don't walk in the gray, which is where the safe place is. But you should be able to know how to cast something as quick as stop it. And a lot of the YouTube stuff I have found will teach you to cast stuff at people, but it doesn't tell you how to stop it. So you're not learning everything that you need to learn in, in my theory. I just don't think that you are learning everything you need to learn about what the whole path means. When you, know? you bring up the part about learning to stop it, I I have to, you know, I had to sit down with that one for a minute because you're right. You hear all of this stuff about you can do this, you can do this, but they're not teaching you how to control no, what you're doing. Exactly. And I've known people who have done magic that have caused people's death. How do you, you know, carry that on your shoulders for the rest of your life? But if you had known... If you'd have been told, if you'd have been taught that you don't do certain things, that you are not God and you don't get to choose who, you know, who dies. And and I have found that a lot of those YouTubers will be like, oh, you can cast somebody, your work is giving you a hard time to cast this bad spell on them and it'll make their car break down. First off, karmically speaking, why would you want that kind of karma right. attached to it? And what if their car stopped working at the worst time possible and they were in a car accident? You know what I'm saying? So... A lot of the YouTubers don't tell you the thought process that goes into it and that you really have to think about the consequences of what you are doing before you cast. So one of my teachers once told me that a lot of witches pray for world peace, that if the world had perfect peace, everything would be great and tidy. But then they taught me, think about how many people would be out of work. (laughs) And karmically speaking, you would be putting billions of people out of work. Soldiers, gun manufacturers, bullet makers. I mean, the hospital industry. I mean, think about the the expansive (laughs) karma that would go with that. I don't pray for world peace. I pray for just peace for myself and my loved ones. I kind of keep my circle smaller. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's our job. If we all do our, our part of that, then everything will become peaceful on its own. But as man, yeah, as man, no, as we all know, man's not going to stop fighting. Yeah. I know I've also been taught that about wanting to heal world peace. And they're like, that's too big of a burden on one individual to try and do that's not your job your job is to work in your community and community by community then it comes it works exactly yeah so yeah kind of went off on a tangent there sorry no no, you're fine (laughs) that's this that's what this whole thing is about i mean we find out different things and information and conversation as far as what you know what we learn what we're not being taught I want people to have good information and maybe Mm -hmm. a thought in their head when they go to youtube yeah you know to now pay attention or to Google. that intuition. Yeah. Or Google. Type in, mm-hmm. you know, I need a spell for money making. That one. <laughs> oh, our teacher, uh, my teacher, my first teacher, Gravy, used to uh, say Google was our spirit guide. He said, stop using Google. It's not your spirit guide. <laughs> Google is not your spirit guide. But yes. it is spirited. It is nobody's spirit guide. It is an engine. It is a piece of machinery. It doesn't, mm-hmm. I mean, it has a, a life, but it's not 
it's not true life. There's no real thought put behind a lot of what's on there. So yeah, I'm pretty harsh with my students about using Google. I'm like, you can use this website, you can use this website, you can use this website. Then ask questions. Don't don't assume that I won't answer questions for you. You should be able to go to your community and be like, all right, I don't know this answer. Help me find this answer. Instead of just assuming that it's on the dark webs. <laughs> Part of me hates that they call it the web too. Because it's not part of the web of life. If anything, it's the anti-web. But again, like you said, every, everything's got to have a balance. So. Yeah. So what if someone wanted to work with you, but they didn't live close to you? Well, I do um, FaceTime as well. So usually I, if I work with somebody who's out of state or out of the area or whatever, actually have a package that I send to them that has all of their basic altar set up, some books to get them started that I recommend they read, you know, their first journal, that kind of thing. Um, And then we do FaceTime lessons just so that I can see their happy faces and see that they're understanding what I'm telling them. Because facial expressions will give it away quick if I say something they don't understand. Yeah, I have not a problem in the world working with somebody outside of of my area. I have students in France right now that were really struggling because I speak very little French. And they speak very little English, but we're working it out. Wow. Your lesson today is you can go to Duolingo and get the French. (laughs) Yes. I have the app on my phone. (laughs) You know, Google Translate works great for that, too. Oh. That's how we talk to some of the the elders when I'm doing the Unity Dance. They Mm -hmm. speak mostly Spanish, so they'll get Google Translate and have us say what we want to say. And it'll translate it to Spanish, and then they'll answer us. Oh, that's awesome. I haven't used the Google Translate, but I do have a French to English translator on my phone. I'll have yeah, to try that one. I'll have to try that out. Might make it a little easier for you. It might, yeah. So you make, and I've had some of your uh, your tasty treats at Aries. <laughs> <laughs> my honey, boy, it's my big seller. It's that honey. I mean, it's I I order the honey from Norway, so it's actually from little Viking bees. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's called, Viking honey. I, you know, but I brew it magically, and I, mm-hmm. I do add herbs and things to it to bring about certain aspects. Usually, gods or goddesses. So, like connecting with your inner goddess um, and your inner god as well. So I noticed that. I'm sorry, sweetie. Go ahead. I noticed that you uh, had started a personal care line of mm-hmm. sorts. Yes, the sugar scrubs and salt scrubs, beard oils, um, just oils for you to wear, perfumed oils for you to wear, magically charged. Um, I've worked pretty hard on those. Um, one of my students helps me produce some of that stuff. But it can be used in, in spell work and used personally because, you know, like the oils smell amazing. So you can wear them as perfumes and be charged with that particular god. Our goddess that's charged into that oil. So if you're having a really rough day or you have to go put your foot down on something, then I usually recommend Thor's hammer oil. If you need to have a laugh or put some passion back into your life, I recommend the Loki. Um, sometimes we get too serious. The Loki oil will help you kind of lighten up a little bit. Kind of, it, But it invites Loki in, so just be prepared. I was sitting here thinking, hmm. Be prepared. <laughs> you can't help yourself when something happens. Like, I was brewing Loki honey once and it boiled over all over my stovetop. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be such a mess to clean up. And I'm like, thanks. Appreciate it greatly. I know you were here now. And it was, it was great honey. 
It really was. And it, it wasn't as hard to clean up as I thought it was going to be. But um, I've never had a batch of oil or a batch of the honey actually boil over like that before. None of the other honeys do it. Just Loki. So I know to keep that one on super low when I'm brewing that one. Because if, if I go to notch two or three, it's going to get ugly quick. You know, but if you need some self-love in your life, then, the you know, I recommend the Freya oil. If the Nord's oil is there, there's a really good one for people who are water-based, you know, so each one of them are earth, air, fire, water-based as well. So Freya is more fire-based, whereas um, Nord's is this is water-based. So it's more for like the Cancer, the Aquarius, the Pisces. I'm a Cancer, so I know the Nord Oil I wear almost daily. So it helps quite a bit. That and Aries Apocalypse, Dragon's Blood make a nice combination. Everybody always tells me I smell so great between the two of them. Yeah, I like the uh, Dragon's Blood from there. What else do you do to support your community? Well, I try and do a lot of barter with the community if people can't afford to buy the products. I'm not afraid to barter with people because I know... You know, and part of my classes is, I call it witchonomics, is how to be able to barter with other witches in your community. Because sometimes you don't need just cash. I'm not a big fan of cash in the first place. I mean, it pays the bills and all that, but I would much rather barter for most of that. So I barter with the community um, who needs it and who just likes to barter like I do. The information is there too on the sheets on what the, the products can do for you, what work went, went into them, what God, how long they were on the altar for. Everything I do is altar blessed. So I have students who take the year and a day that I barter with. It's just about making sure that I'm supposed to be helping the people I'm supposed to be helping regardless of a paycheck. It's not about so, making tons of money for me. So you will barter your your uh, year and a day for people to get that, that training and that understanding? Absolutely. Well, yeah. Awesome. You made me cookies every week. I'll be your best friend. <laughs> Chocolate chip, because everybody loves chocolate chip. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So is there anything else you want to share? Any words of wisdom or anything like that? My my biggest thing is to trust your intuition and to follow your heart. You know, our brains get in the way a lot of times. And with the craft, you really it's really more heart-based than it is brain-based. You need that information to start with, but what you do with it from that point on is comes straight from your heart and your soul. So trust your intuition, trust your gut, follow your heart to where your path leads you. I love that. And how can everybody reach you if they want to reach out to you? Um, well, they can find me on Facebook, Tony Cook, T-O-N-I-E, Cook with an E. They can also go to my Wicked Ways page, which is Wicked Ways R, the letter R, us. <laughs> <laughs> I got called wicked and I had wicked ways when I was a kid and it stuck with me all these years. So that's why I have an attachment to that phrase. They can reach me by phone with 757-266-2033. They can text or Facebook message me, give me a holler, whatever they need to do. And whatever answers that I can give them, I will do. And if I don't have them, I'll help you find them. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Tony, for being my first interview on this podcast. I really enjoy talking to you. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. And I don't think you had to bleep me out too much. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a wonderful and a blessed day, okay? You as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Under the Acacia Tree and you learned something new. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And as always, take what you need and leave the rest. And I'll see you next time under the acacia tree.